Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me again is Joe, and we have a uh, strange guest co-host who has come back from the mysterious ether and ooze that he disappeared into a la Brigadoon style. Jason, <laughs> welcome back, bud. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, I'm just here thinking, uh, what is this that we're doing? What What is this program? Are, are we doing something here? What are we talking about? It's so bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And not only that, are not only are you back, Jason, but all three of our teams had freaking great weeks last week. I mean, pretty sure that's the first time in the in the uh, three seasons or two seasons that we've been doing this now. So three, three, yeah. You, you've been gone see, it's so been so long. long that's <laughs> uh, Joe. How are you doing, bud? <laughs> hanging in, brother. Hanging in. It's yeah. It's been a while. What a wild week in baseball. And, you know, we'll get to this later, but to, how often are you going to strike out 16 guys and lose a game? I, That's baseball. Got to love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mr. Been Gone Forever, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, so um, I didn't realize that I need to actually replenish my, my beer stash. Um, so what I have here is uh, I found it in the fridge. It's a... Uh, cider boys blackberry apple uh hard cider um drinking it out of a uh nice little uh mug here it's from the uh pirate pete soda pop company it's something that we saw at a, a hot air balloon festival during our staycation it was 20 bucks for the for the mug but it holds 40 ounces and was unlimited refills and it was like ho- homemade root beer cream soda black cherry ginger ale so uh definitely got my money's worth. So I was about to say, I'm sure you thoroughly enjoyed making sure you got your entire money's worth out of that mug. Oh yeah. I think I, I filled it up like four or five times. So yeah. But yeah, it's absolutely a delicious cider, uh really nice and tart too. So nice. I, I'm just I, I I'm just shocked that they would price it that cheap if they're giving you unlimited refills for a forty ounce. That's insane. Right. Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Um, Evan Williams and Pepsi this time. I'm, I'm off the Mountain Dew this week. Um, you know, trying to stay level-headed with the um, the way that the Cubs played last week. You know, three more gets the Pirates this week. Just a big couple of days, and then of course we've got the London series over the weekend. So yeah, that London series looks like it should be a lot of fun. Um, I, I I I sent this in the uh, in the uh, fantasy baseball chat earlier. Uh, the fact that they did such bland patches is kind of disappointing, but you know, that, that is what it is. Nothing we can really do about that. <laughs> and guys, tonight, uh, my youngest sister in law, Shiloh, for Father's Day, got me one of my favorite beers from Trogues, the Grand Cacao. So that's what I'm having tonight. Nice. Good taste, Shiloh. Honestly, she'd probably like it too. Really is like an alcoholic chocolate milk. All right, so rolling into the it's not going to milk stout. So rolling into this, we'll start uh, first with Father's Day. Uh, as always, there's always a ton of uniform things baseball does throughout. Um, the Royals they wore the powder blue throwbacks. They haven't worn them since opening day, and that was supposed to be a one-off. But the fans said we love these, bring them back more. And so the team said we'll see if we can find a way to sneak them in. And I think Father's Day was the perfect day to sneak it in with MLB doing all of the uh, white blue shaded stuff and 
whatnot. And let's be real. Let's be honest, guys. The Royals have one of the best powder blue sets in baseball. I love seeing those uniforms. I wish they'd wear them more. Um, the Rangers also wore their powder blue alternates. The Red Sox wore their City Connect uniforms uh, because there's a lot of light blue in that uniform. Now, here's something interesting, guys. MLB had already announced the Father's Day cap was going to be based on the primary cap, so likely for the first time ever, you had a team wearing their City Connect uniform with the primary but holiday special cap, um, but the batting helmets were the City Connect batting helmets. So all sorts of mismatches up in Boston yesterday. Um, there were no retail release uh, Father's Day socks from Stance this year, which I'm shocked that Stance dropped the ball on a chance to uh, – Drop another merch dump, but, you know, that's what happens. Um, the players did have light blue socks. They had two thick, dark stripes at the top of them to wear if they chose, although some players, including Angels pitcher Tyler Anderson, they wore the regular socks instead. Um, the Brewers, and they do this pretty much anytime there's a special um, holiday hat, they rendered all the batting helmet decals in the holiday colors, um, and they also added the side decal as well to match the side cap, uh, excuse me, the side patch. Um, the Padres also had powder blue logos in the batting helmets. Dusty Baker, and I never realized he did this. Um, the Astros manager, he usually wears wristbands featuring a rendering of himself. Well, Sunday he wore a new design with the depiction of his dad on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Travis Darno, among a lot of the other catchers, and pretty much every plate umpire had a blue mask. Um, some players had special spikes designed for Father's Day. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr., um, he had, and I think Nike, I think Nike athletes actually had some special cleats released by Nike for them for father's day as well. Um, but his had a, had a little hanging tag on it that said, have a rad father's day. And he left the tag on for the entire game. Um, I read Paul Lucas said, that's a lot like, uh, baseball, you know, baseball fans that leave the sticker underneath the cap, which I, I will admit I'm guilty of doing that as well. Um, I don't know why I do it. I just do. Attendance this weekend, guys, huge. Sunday, 603,303 fans in attendance for all 16 games. Best single-day attendance since uh, September 28th of 2008, which was the last day of the regular season. And that day, there were 612,669 fans in attendance. Best average attendance for a Sunday since 2014. And this is the first back-to-back -back weekends of more than 1.5 million fans in the ballpark since 2017. Um, baseball drew 1.58 million for the weekend. So from Friday on, so a phenomenal turnout from the fans, uh, a first time father performance, Nolan Arenado hit two home runs on his first ever father's day as a dad. That's, that's pretty cool to see. Um, some great father-son duos. You've got the Bonds as Bobby and Barry, the Griffies, Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr., the Alus, Felipe and Moises, the uh, Guerreros, Vlad Sr., Vlad Jr., the Boons, Ray and Bob Boone, uh, the Stottlemyers with Mel and Todd, the Cruises with Jose and Jose Jr., uh, the Bells, Gus and Buddy Bell, Sandy and Roberto Alomar, Dizzy and Steve Trout, Cecil and Prince Fielder, which I, I, you know, when I saw the fielders, I was reminded of one thing that both Cecil and Prince hit exactly the same number of home runs, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just finishing out this set of Blue Jays, Dante and Bo Bichette, Craig and Kevin Biggio and uh, Gary and Dalton Varsho. So, uh, you know, Father's Day is always fun. I didn't get to hang out with my dad this year. He and mom are away on a trip to Maine on vacation. Well-deserved vacation, I might add. 
they've been going up there for years, actually, since my sophomore year in high school when I did the Bar Harbor Brass Week up there, which was a lot of fun. I should note I haven't been up there since. I, I feel a little gypped since I'm the reason they got to go the first time, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, guys, as far as far as holiday special stuff goes, just like Mother's Day, uh, it was subtle. It was just enough without being in your face over the top. I, I, I think baseball did well with these. I like the caps better for Father's Day than Mother's Day. I think the uh, using the dark base worked a lot better than that uh, gray color they used for Mother's Day. But, you know, this is the way to do it. Just keep it subtle. Keep it nice. Don't go over the top with it. And I, I love seeing that so many, th that the attendance numbers were so high. I hope it means that, um, you know, I hope it means that a lot of uh, families brought dad out for a ball game on Sunday. That That's pretty neat. Yeah. And uh, the thing that's interesting to me is um, with that being the highest attendance since uh, the last day of the regular season, 2008, um, I, I think a big part of that in 2008 was you had a lot of races coming down to that final weekend and that final day. I, I know, and it's mainly because I'm a Phillies fan, I know that uh, the last day of the season in, in 2008 was pretty close to when the Phils were clinching. Uh, I know they clinched on the last day of the season in 2007. Um, but I mean, figure you have these close races and people are going to show up for their teams. Yeah, exactly. It's you would always expect the last weekend to be, especially the last day, to be extremely well attended, not only for teams that are fighting for playoff spots, but for the teams that are eliminated. This is the last chance the home fans have to see their guys before next mm -hmm. year, when some of you know when a team favorite player may not re-sign if he's a free agent. You know, uh, Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson. Yeah, just to name two in particular. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know. Um... This is our Father's Day show, so um, to all the all the dads and all the moms that need to also be the role of dad uh, in their families, cheers and uh, thank you. Absolutely. All right, and then today we have um, a the newest of the federal holidays, Juneteenth. It's been around for a very long time since 1865, but. Um, it was formally made a federal holiday back in 2021 by President Biden. So Juneteenth celebrates the anniversary of the order given by Major General Gordon Granger proclaiming freedom for enslaved people in Texas. It happened June 19, 1865, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. Um, some neat things that some of the teams did. Uh, Juneteenth flag designer Ben Haith, he threw out the ceremonial first pitch before the Yankees-Red Sox game in Fenway yesterday. There was a group of black community leaders and Red Sox employees standing behind him. He said afterwards, quote, it feels like I'm living in a miracle. It wasn't always comfortable for me to come to Fenway Park because sometimes I would hear people called names, but things have changed and it's like a miracle. And He, he brings up a really good point there because Boston is not known um as let, let's just leave it as they're not known as a racially friendly city um from chanting you hear coming out of the stands and let's also note they were the last team to integrate uh they signed pumpsy green who didn't make his debut until july of 1959 which is more than a dozen years after jackie broke the color barrier Today up in Boston, an exhibit from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum entitled Barrier Breakers from Jackie to Pumpsy opens up at Emerson College. I don't know how long that's going to be open, but any of our fans up there, um, I would definitely recommend checking that out. I'm sure it's a beautiful exhibit to see. 
Um, Lift Every Voice and Sing was performed at Boston as well as Oakland yesterday, and I'm sure many other parks as well. The Diamondbacks had the Buffalo Soldiers, an African-American Army unit formed after the Civil War at uh, Fort Hawachka, Arizona. They presented the colors. The Mariners wore jerseys from the Seattle Steelheads from the 1940s. Uh, honestly, guys, the Steelhead uniforms are some of my favorite Negro throwbacks that the teams have rolled out over the last couple of years. Um, I think Seattle wears them just about every year. So um, I, I hope that's a tradition they continue to do. They look excellent. Um, and also the Nationals, they marked the occasion today with a special matinee start. Um, and there was also a special ticket package fans could buy. Um, they would get a Nationals Juneteenth T-shirt. And then $5 from those sales will be donated to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, um, a museum uh, in the Smithsonian. I've not yet had the chance to visit, but it is on my list, along with the Holocaust Museum. They're the only two I haven't seen in the entire Smithsonian. So I can't wait to see those two at some point, either this summer or next summer when we go down. So, uh, it, you know, wonderful, wonderful to see the two celebrations paired off. Um, good to see baseball taking some initiative on those. Um, especially I'm glad that they're doing more to recognize Juneteenth and I'd really like to see more teams, um, that play on Juneteenth to use, um, Negro league throwbacks from their localized, from their, um, cities or from their regions, because that would just be another great way to bring more awareness to the holiday and, uh, you know, give them a chance to spread more education about the history of it. So hopefully that's something we'll see moving forward from baseball, because uh, let's face it, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're even seeing, uh, the Negro league starting to get a lot more publicity and, and, their history kind of provided to us um, even through things like MLB the show, you know, this year they have a whole Negro league feature that you can participate in. So it, it's really neat to see how baseball is embracing the history of the game from all levels. Absolutely. And, you know, we've seen them, uh, you know, we've seen Cooperstown electing Negro League players in classes over the years through committee, obviously, since, you know, clearly it can't be a live vote where they're long out of eligibility for that. But I'm glad that uh, baseball is also acknowledging the statistics from those eras as well so that those players have an, op have an opportunity to be honored in Cooperstown because there were some amazing Negro League players that never had the chance to play in Major League Baseball or by the time they got to Major League Baseball, they were too old to really be the effective stars they were in their prime. I'm thinking particularly Satchel Page with that one. So um, I know I, I, I read the story a couple of years ago um, on our first year of the podcast about how Atlanta signed Satchel Page um, just to make sure he would have enough eligible years in the majors to be able to have the pension and the retirement and all that. So, and he actually did go out and pitch moderately effectively too, for a couple games for them. So it wasn't just a publicity Sunday he actually got into games and, you know, was able to show up, show off a couple tricks. He still had up his sleeve. All right. And then uh, some sad news, uh, Dick Hall, Dick Turkey Hall. He died today. Uh, I'm sorry. He died yesterday. He was 92 years old. Um, he began his career as an outfielder with the Pirates in 1952. He evolved into a two-way player in 55 and then became a full-time pitcher in 57. And he was called Turkey because he had a really, really odd pitching motion. Um, if, you, if you get a chance, pull up YouTube 
uh, watch some old videos of this guy pitch. Uh, Turkey is a great nickname for how the guy pitched. Um, he's best known for his time with the Orioles. Um, he made over two stints with the Orioles, uh, 342 appearances, career record of 93 and 75, a 332 ERA, 71 saves. Um, also pitched with the Royals and the Phillies as well. All right. <laughs> oh, Jason, you were supposed to talk about that one. I'm sorry, dude. That's all right. Tell t- you. Tell you what, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the fantasy notes next, um, or something like that, uh, since we have uh, the Braves coming up, and then Joe's read the room. Um, Jason, are, are you sure you want to take the fantasy notes? I mean, you, your backside kind of got stomped on this week. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's one of those I didn't like. I adjusted the lineup kind of just to make sure I had pitchers going, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it this last week. Um, I was just mainly trying to make sure that my whole that the gaps in the lineup were filled. Um, but yeah, so quick fantasy thing. Um, Andrew, you kind of got a little bit of payback for my drubbing of you in uh, week two or three, I guess it was. Um, yeah, so Acuna's Bumas got me, uh, got Turner and Tooch by a score of 18 to 8. Um, while uh, Joe and and Ron had a really good matchup here, uh, <laughs> Ronnie's already thrown shade back at you, Joe's Welcome to the losing club. <laughs> uh, la- last I checked, I- I'm uh, still sitting pretty good overall, but um, I-, I know my lead has dwindled a little bit. But uh, uh, and, dude, and uh, your lead was over thirty games. It's down to nine and a half. Was it thirty? <laughs> I thought it was like I thought it was like upper twenties, but. It's, it's one of it's one of those where my my team has gone into a little bit of a slump over the last couple of weeks. Um, I almost I almost lost to Ron. Actually, I was losing going into like the final week into the weekend and somehow pulled that one out. Um, lost to Joe by it's like just a couple the week before. Um, Joe's beating you twice now, or is it three times? We looked this up last week. Two out of three. It's twice. Um, ho- hopefully I can get some payback this week, but it's one of those where, uh, this past week, um, well, first off, before you get to that, um, Joe's happy and Hornsby, uh, beat Schmidt happens 14 to 11 update standings. I'm currently in the lead, um, at 156, 125 and 27. And then Andrew, you are nine and a half back. Joe is 14 back. And Ron is basically the lead that I had a couple weeks ago. He is 38 and a half back. <laughs> Um, and, and I like how Ron, uh, just so you know, you're still under 500, man. So you have some, uh, slack to pick up there. Um, and, uh, I do see Ella comment. So thank you, Ella. I, I, am glad that you missed me. I don't know about these other guys, but, um, so yeah, uh, basically I took a quick peek at what the results ended up being and, um, it's not that my team underperformed so much this last week. It's that Andrew's team, uh, your, your guys just rate hover off the baseball. Like they, I, I mean, until the final, until like Saturday or Sunday, your team was batting like three fifty. Uh, I, I mean, you don't stand a chance when a team <laughs> is like and the best part is Acuna was hitting in the one hundreds or the low two hundreds last week. But the, the rest of your team was picking everything up. I mean, it's and again, like it, it's not that my team underperformed. They did a little bit, but they they were about average. Um, and it, it's one where and then your pitching finally picked it back up. Uh, whereas 
I didn't get many pitchers to have more than one game because I had a couple injuries pop up, things like that. So I didn't really get the starts that I needed this past week. So, I mean, all things considered, I feel like 18 to 8 is actually kind of a little fortunate for me that it wasn't worse. So, yeah. So hopefully we have a little bit of bounce back this week against uh, Joe here. Uh, Joe's kind of been the thorn in my side so far this season. I, I really hope that continues. It's very entertaining to watch the uh, fantasy baseball group chat. <laughs> Ron, go ahead and uh, destroy Acuna's Boomas this week, I hope. Yeah, good luck with that, dude. Everybody hopes for that. Jeez. <laughs> Help me build my lead back up. Uh, my, my goal here is to try and lead this thing wide or wire. Uh, possible. It's definitely possible, but uh, nine and a half games is not – 30 plus oh, no. two weeks ago. I mean, well, and the, th- the thing with that is, like, I won last week and only lost by a couple the week prior. It's, um, I but think, la- totally... last last week you really, or no, last week I think we had, the, it was like 13, 12, both of us. Yeah. But, but, like, the week prior, I think you absolutely destroyed Joe or something like that. Or No, it was Ron. I, I ripped Ron into 14 yeah. different pieces. So, so... Those big wins really, really balance out. So uh, I'm not surprised that it came back down. Um, yeah. It, again, it like 30 plus. No. <laughs> and again, this is why I like head to head, because if this was a points league, you would probably already be so far ahead that nobody would have a chance to come back like that point. Pure points leagues in baseball do not work, because if you get lucky and draft the, the guys that get hot early, it's so hard to come back from that. That's why I prefer either head to head with categories or I also like Roto 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 typically runs all the way to the last week of the year. And it's usually far less categories. It's usually five by five or 10 by 10. It's, it's much smaller. Um, and you know, if that's something we can look at next year, if you guys want to do that instead of head to head, Ron said, uh, Hey, I still got time to come back maybe in the playoffs, you know, Ron, I, I mean, he's at least clinched a spot already. Yeah, it's a 14 league, man. Everybody's going to make it. And honestly, that's the strategy my mom has used for years. She doesn't, in baseball and football, she does not care two flips about the regular season. Come postseason, she is on that team every damn day, making sure everything is as optimized as she can make it. She will be as active as anybody will ever be on the free agent wire. It's, yeah. So I get that. I that That's a very common strategy in small team leagues. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although it sounds like we might be expanding to at least six next year, so you might not be able to do that next year, Roddy. <laughs> you might have to play the whole season. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> so let's roll into this great week that uh, that that our teams have had. Be- before we do that, Joe, do you have any thoughts on the fantasy uh, week that you had? Uh, it was a good back and forth between Ronnie and I, or. Um... I guess it was, yeah, you know, just back and forth all the way into Sunday. And Sunday, he was up two points before game started. So I made a couple of, of moves on Sunday to maybe get some other points, and it just happened to work out. So it's funny how it's funny how in baseball, almost more than football, you can make up that deficit like that. Um, you know, football, because you're also dealing with players swapping in and out on buys and things like that. But with baseball, if you just, you know, you might just take a one-turn flyer and a guy that goes five for five and hits a home run. And that's yeah, just the way it happens. I, mean, I think 
you know, I think too, it was like a lot of our categories were within a few points of each other, like they always are. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it was anything where it was, you know, an 18 to eight drubbing or something like that. It was, it was a good back and forth all week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing with the lineups is, you know, while you can change that around, you know, I'm sure you you all probably do this too, but I tend to see who which teams they're like my guys are going against. Like if I have a choice of a player going against the A's or the Rockies or the Tigers versus a person going against the Braves or you know like the Rays, I'm going to take the other person going against the lower team because your your chances are better. Or if somebody has a hot bat, ride the hot bat. Yeah. And then that way it's just like real baseball. What does your gut say? What do your eyes tell you? That's what you go with. And Ron, uh, one more comedy. I have to say most of the time I keep it really close and down to the last day. And that's true. Ron, for whatever reason, your team just does not like to close out on Sundays because I think that's happened at least three or four times this season where you've gone into Sunday, either tied or slightly in the lead and your team's just not able to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, and and I have to say, like, props to uh, Ron and Joe here for uh, never having done this before, not having the strongest draft. Um, you two have made some really good changes, some really good moves. I mean, those first couple, those first few weeks was a bit rough for for both of you as far as the the scores go, and. They've gotten so much closer. You know, you're sneaking out some wins. I, I know, Ron, you haven't won a week yet, I think, but... No, he beat me already. Oh, he beat you already? Well, good. Yeah. That's how it continues. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but, like, the the gaps have really shrunk as as far as the uh, the dis- uh, the parity and the disparity of, of the teams. And, you know, that's, and that's again, why Jason, you and I said, it, kept, kept saying after week one, remember week one is weird because it's more than a week long and you're going to get really wonky scores and results as players are getting broken in to playing and that they haven't played all, you know, all off season. And the first couple weeks, week one is the weirdest. And the first couple of weeks really in general as players are settling in and the hot players are cooling off. The cold players are heating up it it's early fantasy baseball is unlike anything else. Honestly, just got to ride those early waves, keep it close and then make a push. That's really it. All right. So uh, let's hop on into uh, some regular season action. Shall we? Um, Great week for Atlanta. They lost the first game at Detroit on Monday night in 10 innings, six to five Lange picked up the win. Jimenez picked up the loss um, Tuesday got postponed because of weather, and then they played a doubleheader Wednesday, and the Braves swept the doubleheader. Ten to seven was the first win. Strider picked up the win on that one, his seventh of the season, and uh, the second game was a six to five victory. Colin McHugh picked up the win; that was his third win of the season. Minter picked up his tenth save, and then uh, the Rockies came to town, and the Atlanta bats just blew up the Rockies as if they were playing in Colorado. Game one was an 8-3 to three victory. Uh, A.J. Smith-Shaver picked up his uh, first major league win. Uh, Tonkin picked up the save. And I know it, I know five-run five run lead, but he pitched three innings in that weird role where if you pitch three innings and end the game, you get a save, that kicked in. 
I don't understand it. I think it's a strange rule, but it is what it is. And then game two, game two on Friday was an eight to one victory. Uh, Schuster picked up his fourth win of the year. Saturday was a ten to two victory. Elder picked up the, his fifth win of the season, and Charlie Morton finished it off on Sunday, despite giving up five runs in the second inning with a fourteen to six victory. Um, the Atlanta bats guys, especially in this Colorado series, just went nuts. Eddie Rosario was on fire. I, I know Eddie is going to be mentioned later, so I'm not going to get too deep on uh, what on what Eddie did. But Eddie was just obliterating every baseball he could see. Michael Harris, um, he was smashing balls all over the park, which I'm really glad to see because Harris started the year really slow, and he was also hampered by that injury. And now he's looking like he's rounding more into that form he had last year when he uh, won the NL Rookie of the Year. So Atlanta set some records uh, in this Rocky series. This is from Elias Sports Bureau. 40 runs scored, tied for the third most runs scored by Atlanta in a four-game set. They also scored four runs during a four-game home series against the Rockies in 2013 back at Turner Field. 28-run differential is tied for the second highest in a four-game set in franchise history. Uh, The record is in 2005, they outscored the Astros by 30 runs. They must not have found the trash cans at that point. Um, also, back at, uh, back in 2021, they also outscored the Pirates by 28 in the series. Um, they set another franchise four-game series mark by hitting 15 home runs in that series against Pittsburgh. This also marks the first time the Braves have tallied consecutive four-game sweeps against a single club since doing so against the Padres back in 74. So it's been a long time since that happened. And Snicker said after the final game, he said, it's crazy, it felt like we played all four games at Coors Field just because of the way the ball was flying out of the ballpark. And we know when it gets hot and humid in Atlanta, the ball tends to fly out anyway. But there were some ridiculous moonshots. And the crazy thing is Acuna didn't do hardly anything in the series. He went two for 13, five walks, no extra base hits. He is definitely not going to be on Andrew's hot hitter list this week. Shocker, I know. So then on Sunday, I'm going to address the elephant in the room before Joe is going to take what I say and rip it apart and read the room. Um, one of a, a fan favorite, uh, Kluberson, Corey Kluberson was supposed to have his dad throw out the first pitch before Sunday's game for Father's Day. He is well known in Atlanta for being called clutch for his ninth inning heroics um, a couple years ago. Uh, against actually most of the NL East opponents in that run where he was up for a while. Um, he was DFA'd before the game, unfortunately, and was not a, so his dad was not able to do that. Michael Harris's dad threw out the first pitch instead, and then Harris promptly went five for five. Go figure. But um, it, what happened, guys, Saturday, uh, Murphy, uh, I think, tweaked a hamstring and we are still awaiting test results. They have not made a decision whether to place him on the IL at that point in time. And there was no other catcher on the roster. So they had to, so Kluberson was the most obvious option to DFA to make space to bring uh, Chadwick Trump back up from AAA. So Atlanta had a backup catcher in case it was necessary in case Darno got her. Cause let's face, I love Travis Darno. He's not known to be the most durable catcher in the world. Already has concussion. You know, he was out for a chunk of time earlier this year with the concussion. He had the broken finger last year. I, he's a great player when he's on the field, but, you know, even going back to his days with New York and Miami, 
he's not known to be the most durable guy in the world catching. So it really sucks. I, I hate that the Braves had to do it, but it's a professional sports organization. You have to make the move that's right for your team. Cause God forbid if Darno got hurt, I don't even know who would have caught. I don't know who the emergency like break glass in case of emergency catcher would have been had uh, Darno gotten hurt on Sunday and they would have left Charlie Gluberson in the, um, in the uh, roster. So uh, Joe, does Atlanta need to read the room a little bit better? I mean, it's just it's just a stupid call. I mean, I get the I get the club reason for it. You make a good obviously you make a good strategic point about it, but you it's not like you you know you booked him the day before the game or something like that. You've, you've probably booked this probably a couple weeks in advance at least. If 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 his dad wasn't planning to come to the game, he shows up and travels for a game. Like that's it's just stupid. It's 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 absolutely asinine. What? And for for me, it's also kind of along the lines of if he is potentially the one that has to go down. Like regardless, I mean, it seems like that couldn't they a, a play after the game. Or, or, or couldn't they have just had somebody else originally chosen? Like, it, it's that'd be like, say, uh, that'd be like having Christian Pache's dad come throw the first pitch out for the Phils um, when he's potentially, he has the potential to be the, the one to go down. If there's somebody who has the potential to be the one to go down, why would you do that? Um because that is a very real possibility. So, I don't know. So it just it's just weird in general. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why they couldn't wait till after the game. I don't really understand that. Um, you know, because I, I guess, there, I get, there I was nobody else to catch. I, I get it, but as as undurable as as Darno can be, you know. We have this argument all the time when college players sit out bowl games because they might get hurt. I'm figuring out. It's 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 like like Jason said. If you're gonna do something like this, why pick a guy who you might send down? Well, and and again, let, let's think about it. Murphy has been damn reliable. He hasn't been hurt. I don't know if he's been hurt ever in his major league career. This might be his first injury. And Atlanta had been doing a good job of swapping Darno and Murph to make sure he was spelled to keep him fresh. Um, I know JT Real Muto still leads all catchers in innings in innings caught this year by at least 30 innings. And I know he has 75 more innings caught than Murphy did from what I read earlier today. So... I, Atlanta was doing a good job keeping their two catchers fresh, but I, you, you just can't go into a game without two catchers on the active roster. You just can't do that. Just because I'm not a, uh, I'm not as up on the Braves roster as you are. What mm-hmm. position is Kluberson usually? Uh, utility infielder, like third base. And I think he, I think he's corner like third base, first base. He might play a little bit of shortstop if necessary. And do the Braves have other options at those positions aside from him when whenever he's on the roster and up with the team? 
Uh, let me look at the current roster and I can tell you because Be- I don't because my thought here is if they have other options for those positions making it clear that if anything happens he's going to be the one to go down that's where i have the issue and yeah. that if he's going to be the one that goes down no matter who gets hurt why are you going to risk that for for father's day and not have somebody who uh you know like uh an Acuna or you know things like that so so about that, Atlanta does not have a backup infielder right now because Adrian's is on the 60-day. <laughs> so they're carrying extra outfielders in the hopes that they don't need them. Oh, that is... So, so that, 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 that then doesn't make it sense again. Well, but okay, here. but here's the backup outfielders, though. You've got Ozuna, you've got Pilar, and you've got Hilliard. All three guys who are hitting in hot right now, we have to. We don't have a guy, so we don't have a guy that has an option left. We have to DFA somebody. I think the reason they DFA'd Kluberson was because he was hitting 125 in limited appearances. And it's, God forbid, it's easier to move an outfielder to the infield for a couple innings than somebody who's never caught before to catcher. And that really screws with your pitching staff too, because you need to have a real catcher behind home plate that knows the that knows these pitchers and is able to call a game in, a, in an emergency if God forbid something happens. I it sucks. It, it really does. I hate it, but that's the one position on the entire field where you have to have a reliable back. You can't be the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC championship game with no damn quarterbacks. The catcher is more important than the pitcher because everything runs through the catcher's calls. See, and and I get that. And I, I understood that reasoning until you said that they have extra outfielders and have no extra infielders. That, that to me just, just cancels everything else out. Like I agree. I think that's dumb as hell. I, yeah. I really do. And honestly, had Ozuna not started hitting, he was probably the guy that would have gotten DFA'd and sent down. But he's hitting right now. Hilliard's hitting. Pilar's hitting. I he he was the low man down because Atlanta doesn't want to see Pilar or Hilliard picked up by somebody else or Ozuna picked up by somebody else. Because better hope you don't have an infield injury. Uh, tell me about it. Although here's the thing. Outfielders, a first baseman real quick there, pal. Well, that's the thing. Depending on who gets hurt, Riley can cover both corners. I know that. Arcia and Ozzy. uh, Ozzy's never played short, but he probably could if he had to in a pinch. Arcia has played everywhere in the infield. I think Arcia has actually even played a couple games in the outfield. So I'm sure there is a contingency plan in place of one of those outfielders spent some time in the infield either you know high school college or even low minors that if they had to they could move a, like i said if you have to you can move an outfielder to the infield for a game and then make a move after the game you can't move anybody to catcher who's never caught i don't agree with it i wish it hadn't have to happen but yeah yeah hmm. um uh, one thing, one thing on the Braves before uh, we move on to the A's here, um, they had a great week, and I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to preface that by saying this is not to take anything away from the week that the Braves had. Um, so I will mainly say the Braves did what they had to do this week, what they should do. Um, I, I would expect nothing less than four out of five or five out of six when you're playing the Tigers and the yep. Rockies. Yep. So um, it's one where they had a great week and it was the week that they should have had. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I don't know if you listen I don't know if you listened to the uh re-record later Jason, but I basically said the same thing for you last week. You know, the Phillies had a hell of a week last week and they made no ground because Atlanta had an equally good week. It's Yeah. It, it's it's almost like 2021 all over again where the Phils get hot but the Braves stay hot as well. I actually um, brought that up last week. I said if Jason was here he would say it was literally like that all over again. Yeah. Um which I, I mean, I'm okay with that because I, my thoughts are not necessarily on the division right now. It's hey, just keep playing good ball. Uh, you finally back to being above 500 again, a few games over 500, and I, the Phils are now only like a game back of a playoff spot currently. So, yeah. um, that June is the time to shine. So, but uh, anyway, so um, anything else for read the room, Joe? Uh, Francisco Lindor. I'm going to pick on him for a second here. Yes, hey. please. Seriously, your wife has a baby, and you want to play in the game. Like, spend some time with your family, pal. It's a special moment like that. Don't be arguing to play the game. And hat tip to Buck Showalter for saying, screw you, you're not playing. Like, uh, it's just stupid. Like, <laughs> Have some perspective, guys. Get over it. This does does not change my thoughts or feelings on this whatsoever, but just because I'm curious, was it his first child? I I think it might have been his third, but still, I I don't think... Yeah, it doesn't change my thoughts. He he absolutely should have been there um, and not playing the game. I, I know sometimes it's one of those situations that professional athletes will not take the time if it's not their first which i i still think is wrong let me pref- let me let me also clarify i still think that's wrong <laughs> I, I have a question are we playing game seven of the world series no then go to the hell be with your family what the, the mets like to celebrate early apparently right multiple times uh premature celebration syndrome but like, it's it's June for God's sake, June. And you're fourth in the division. And, 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 and for me too, I think it's like if you're, if you know it's it's happening, right? You know it's happening. Just take the weekend off. Yeah. Go on, go on the paternity list for a few days, and really enjoy that time. Like it's just stupid not to. Yeah. You know, you're you're, you're fourth place in the division. Your team is playing like absolute garbage. Like. Just enjoy that time with your family. Take the time to reset. Seriously, yeah. man. Yeah, I hate that. That pissed me off. Family is way more important than baseball. I don't care if you're getting paid millions of dollars to play it. There's there's paternity leave for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting yeah. nasty looks. So, Joe, if you have anything else, uh, go ahead. And if not, we'll move on to the A's. <laughs> I'm done with the read the room. 
Um, Ella, just so you know, if you have another kid, and Andrew, uh, I-, I will make sure that he's there if need be. You know, I know well enough to not have a kid during baseball season. So. <laughs> Actually, we did both. Oh, we did. They were both. <laughs> May fifteenth, September thirteenth. That's prime baseball Never season. Never mind. Right? I take it back. Start start of the season, end of the season. I know that my hospital stays include baseball games, and that's okay. Actually, the second one included the Penn State game because we had access to the Big Ten Network. I remember. <laughs> nice. Um, so uh, we'll move on here to some uh, Oakland Athletics news. Um, their stadium funding uh, has been approved. Uh, the Senate passed a $380 million bill last Tuesday to fund a new stadium for the A's. Uh, two amendments were added to the bill to get it to pass 13 to 8. Uh, use of a suite at the stadium for community groups, an animal rest, uh, excuse me, an annual, not animal, annual $1.5 million donation to the community, uh, resources towards helping uh, homelessness in Las Vegas. And Commissioner uh, Rob Manfred says, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way they do. I think the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer. They never got to the point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. It's not just John Fisher. The community has to provide support. And at some point, you come to the realization that it's just not going to happen. Uh, Statement from the Oakland mayor's office. There was a very concrete proposal under discussion, and Oakland had gone above and beyond to clear hurdles, including securing funding for infrastructure, providing an environmental review, and working with other agencies to finalize proposals. The reality is the A's ownership had insisted on a multi-billion dollar, 55-acre project that included a ballpark, residential, commercial, and retail space. In Las Vegas, for whatever reason, they seem satisfied with a nine-acre leased ballpark on leased land. If they had proposed a similar project in Oakland, we feel confident a new ballpark would already be under construction. Um, And then there are also different articles um, that kind of came to a conclusion that uh, professional sports stamps do not generate local growth as advertised. According to one study published by the Journal of Economic Surveys in 2022, overall employment tends to not grow in the stadium communities and the areas with sports teams and stadiums are not associated with greater income growth or business activity. Um, Manfred, you know, he disagreed as only he would um, because, you know, he's such an economist, apparently. Um, I love academics. They're great. Uh, Take the areas where baseball stadiums have been built, okay? Look at what was around Truist Park before that was built. Look at the area around Nationals Park. I lived in that city. Academics can say whatever they want. I think the reality reality tells you something else. Um, so just to kind of give you a, an idea here, at Truist, uh, since you mentioned Truist Park, Cobb County received a $300 million subsidy to build Truist Park. But five years after its opening, the county still had a $15 million annual deficit uh, or animal deficit uh, to uh, service the debt over to cover operations of the stadium. You While keep making ca- me think I screwed up the topic sheet, and I keep double checking that it's just you who can't read. Yeah, it's just it's just me that can't read. Um, while the county experienced uh, spending growth after the stadium opened, tax revenue did fall 
uh, short of covering the money spent on the facility. Uh, County promised high tax revenue from higher property assessments because of the stadium, but that has not materialized, leading to an increase in property taxes uh, for the residents in order to cover those expenses. And um, the other thing I want to point out with with the truest park um, thing that's unique to pretty much everywhere else, that plot of land was completely unusable before the Braves built that stadium because there were natural gas pipelines running very shallow underneath it. The Braves spent had to spend hundreds of millions of dollars either burying them deeper or routing them away from the stadium altogether. Yeah. So the the truest park thing is that's an even more complicated question than just a straight is it making money for the county is it making money for the state because there were there was so much more upfront cost that had to be taken care of before they could even put the state before they can break ground on the stadium so yes truest park has not you know realized the the revenue growth that they wanted to see. But at the same time, they're getting revenue growth from a plot of land that was otherwise not doing anything at all and couldn't do anything at all because nobody had the capital to be able to make it usable. So that one's, I I don't really know that I would, if I'm Manfred, that I would really bring Truist Park up because it's, that's kind of complicated. Yeah. Uh, again, he he's not an economist. He's not an academic. He, th- this isn't his field of of work. Um I I trust the academics more than I would trust Rob Manfred with just about anything. Um and uh a, a, as a Phillies fan, there's actually a couple a little bit of some Phillies news with this because the Phillies actually have two players who uh actually live in Vegas when season is not going on. You have uh, Bryce Harper and uh, Bryson Stott, um, uh, both from Vegas, and they each had something to say about it. Uh, Harper says, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland. It's just not right. They have so much history in Oakland. You're taking a team out of a city. I'm pretty sad because of all the history and all the greatness they've seen there. I see the A's as Oakland. I don't see them as Vegas. And uh, Bryson Stott pretty much agreed with Harper and said that Las Vegas would rather see an expansion team than a relocated team, and noted that the last place A's could struggle to actually build a fan base. Uh, you have people in town liking the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks, Stott told USA Today. It, it will take a few generations before they have a real fandom in baseball. I'm sure they'll sell tickets for visiting fans, uh, which, which is probably all they care about and and that's actually really accurate i mean uh if uh anybody is not necessarily geographically uh skilled uh las vegas is basically the very southern tip of nevada um right at the edge of kind of like the your california your arizona like that little juncture so they are part it's uh, I actually took a flight to Burbank a couple years ago from Vegas. That was a one-hour flight. So you're only a one-hour flight away from the Los Angeles area and, like, close to the Bay. Like, the Bay Area is a little bit north, but so you're, like, a two-hour flight away from there. So it makes complete sense. And, I mean, the Raiders do have a big fan base, but that's because I think who else were the – people of vegas going to like were they going to like the chargers where i I mean 
maybe the 49ers or something, but I, I mean, the Raiders fan base is traveling pretty well and has translated well in Vegas. Um, as, as a person who goes to Vegas, like every other year for uh, the national bully tour, I'm very excited to see the A's in, in Vegas, but again, I'm not an A's fan. So I, I can absolutely see it just not that them just not building the fan base that they need. This is a mess. I, there's no other way to put this other than this is a mess. Las, Las Vegas and Nevada in general has a huge, huge spending deficit. Um, Jason, while you were gone, Joe and I talked about this a couple times. They can't afford to give their teachers raises, but they're going to throw money at the worst team in Major League Baseball by a very significant margin. I, I know they've been hot lately, but they're still the worst team in baseball. I mean, it, yeah. there's no doubt about that. They're going to move to the what will be the smallest stadium in baseball at a mere 30,000. They're going to move to the smallest TV market in the league. Like, they're walking away from money. They're walking away from a passionate fan base that showed that they will show up to games. Yeah, the that A's, that reverse protest was brilliant. And, and it was so well attended. Yeah. I mean, it probably bumped their season average up by a couple thousand at least, just from one game. The problem... The, the problem is the owner needs to go. I absolutely agree with, with the um, Oakland mayor's office. They were 100% using, using Oakland in negotiations to leverage Las Vegas for a better deal. I 100% agree with them on that. It, it, they're accepting a much smaller parcel of land. They're not going to be able to develop it like truest, like the Braves did with truest in the battery. I, I, Las Vegas fans are not going to embrace a team this bad. They're they're just not. They already have a minor league team that they would probably rather watch than the Oakland Athletics. I, I haven't seen the any of the renderings yet are they planning on having it be a domed or retractable roof stadium retractable okay good uh because i was gonna say um playing in that heat out in in basically a desert uh -uh. not not basically it's a straight up oh it's absolutely yeah it's basically a city in the middle of a desert so joe wasn't he just out there did he forget already no i was up i was up in reno not in vegas which is isn't Nevada basically all desert if it's not a mountain? Not the northern area, actually. The northern area actually it, it does have some desert-like qualities, but it actually has a lot of really beautiful snow-capped mountains. Um, you're about forty-five minutes to an hour away from Lake Tahoe. Um, it's actually the weather out there was pretty much like a regular spring weather here. Uh, it was like low <laughs> okay. to mid seventies. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I. This this is just bad. I I, I yeah. think I, I think Stott nailed it. They they should have gotten an expansion team instead. Yes, I I mean I I agree with the location of it in Vegas. Um, I actually stayed. Uh, last time I was it was last year. I stayed actually across from 
where the site's going to be. It's going to be at uh, the Tropicana Hotel and Casino. They're tearing that down to put in the ballpark. And across from that is the Luxor, the giant pyramid. And it's great spot for it. But it should be an expansion team, not a relocated team. Um, I mean, look at how look at how Vegas has embraced the Golden Knights from from their inception. That was an expansion team. They got to basically be like, "Hey, this is our team that we are building up from scratch," and not a cast No, and that team is absolute. That it has absolutely been just such a good thing for Vegas. Um, and even the, like while the Raiders relocated, Vegas is kind of a little bit of a football town because I think a lot of those fans were already maybe Raiders fans to begin with. But with them, not with how good the Dodgers are, you know, the Giants and the Padres, like there's no room for a team like the A's. Arizona's not that far away. No. Colorado's like, not that far away. Like it's that area is already pretty concentrated for fan bases. Yeah, and, and Oakland is actually going to be the first city to lose all four major sports. That's that's nuts. That's just nuts. How how do you go from having four major sports franchises in one city to none just like that? It's insane. Well, that's that. As usual, Manfred needs to learn to read the room, as he pretty much always does when he opens his mouth. I, you know, I, 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 the moment I read those comments he made, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I, we, we baseball fans have the worst commissioner of any major league by a very, very large margin right now. I think NHL fans would beg to differ. Um, Gary Bettman is not good either. Um, I, it's, it, I, I, love the, I love the tradition, though. Whenever the Stanley Cup is presented, Bettman's right there getting booed. <laughs> as he should be. As he should be. But even still, as bad as Bettman is... Uh, I'd almost rather have Bettman running baseball than Manfred running baseball. Fair. Man, that, that feels dirty even saying that. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, uh, Joe, do you have any other thoughts? You you and I have beaten this dead horse pretty hard over the last couple of weeks as more and more has come out. I mean, I, I, know, I know they tacked on some stuff that, um, they, they slip stuff into the bill that the governor originally did not want to sign off on, like uh, a paternity leave, I believe, was in there for some things. And uh, well, there was something else, but that he had vetoed originally that they slipped into this bill. So, you know, as you and I mentioned, politics are going to be politics, but it's going to it's going to get done in the end because there was no way it wasn't going to get done. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, A's ownership is just. Is garbage on this one. And the fans proved that with that reverse boycott. You know that, that they'll show up if you put the, put the time in. You know it's 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 not you know it's not like um, it's not like Cub fans where they'll just show up. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Like you know they'll continue oh. to pay stupid money to go to a game. 
at least the Cubs have a ballpark to go see that's worth going to see a game in. Right, but still, I mean, you know, you've got in Chicago, you got the most expensive fan experience in all of baseball, and you know, you still have sellouts when they said they were going to be competitive last year and they weren't, and you know, you didn't hold them accountable for it. So, uh, you know, I think I think A's fans had enough for the last couple of years and said, no, we're, we're not going to help you. Yeah, and, and, I, then, and then ownership basically said, "All right, here's the double barrel. See ya." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried to make it. The A's ownership decided to blame the fans for the state of the team, uh, and the fans showing up for their reverse protest was basically, "Nah, we're still here. We just refuse to line your pockets with the money, as they should be doing." Yeah. I, I thought that I, I love that reverse protest. Uh, Jason, your wife, Karen, chimed in a little bit ago. Reverse protests are a great idea. They really are. Um, yeah, I, I I feel for the fans of Oakland. That just sucks so much. They are going to lose their team. And it doesn't look like anything's going to happen in the more immediate because there's still not a viable stadium planned in Oakland for an expansion team to come back to Oakland. So now, you know, we saw this in football with, uh, you know, with the Colts and the Browns and team records moving around. Do you think that, and I don't think this is going to happen, do you th- because the A's have already moved around and they've actually won more World Series in Philadelphia than they did in Oakland. I think it was five in Philly, four in Oakland, if I remember right. Um, do you see the city of Oakland, though, trying to hold on to the team record, team accomplishment, or do you – you think baseball's gonna be like, yeah, we don't do this. This isn't football. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have to think more about that one. All right. I think probably not, but anyway, we'll see. All right, Joe. How about them cubbies? Good week, man. Yeah, um, you know, that it's not, not often you score 44 runs and don't have a good week. So <laughs> <laughs> um they they went five and one this week, three big ones. Um at home against Pittsburgh last week, um, 11, I look at it, can't see it. 11 to three, 10 to six and seven to two, uh, game one, two and three of that one. Um, you know, so a really good offensive week. Um, and then of course the, the weekend series at home against Baltimore, uh, 10 to three, three to two, and then they lose yesterday, six to three. Um, so uh, look, I, Good week against competitive ball clubs. Um, you know, it's that they've they've sort of been playing up and down based on who they're playing the last couple of weeks. Um, to so to see them have a great week this week was great. Um, Hendricks looked vintage again on Saturday, looked pretty good. Um, you know, at least as, as far as I can tell, because you know, I didn't get to watch any of it <laughs> due to blackout rules and all that lovely stuff, so um, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, but you know, uh, the week they needed to have Morel and Hap had monster weeks, um, you know, which was really, really crucial for get, them getting back on the right, the right track here. Um, you know, so, so I can't, I can't complain a good, good week for the Cubs to go five and one and, and sort of prolong the inevitable, inevitable, maybe, I don't know. Um, but you know, 
three more against the Pirates this week, you could be looking at, you know, going into the weekend with, you know, being a couple games back if you continue to play the way they've been playing. And only especially if the Pirates back. keep playing the way they've been playing because the Pirates have kind of hit that wall. Yeah, they've lost six straight. The uh, Cubs are only four back in the uh, division race right now. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a good, good opportunity for them to get back. I mean, I'm, you know, St. Louis had a, had a, a decent week, um, you know, two out of three against the Mets this weekend. Um, you know, so do the, the Cardinals continue to stay on the right track and make this long trip embarrassing or what? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, the Mets, 12 and a half games back. Isn't that a pity? <laughs> I know you don't see any of us crying over that. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. yeah, Joe, that's an awesome week. I'm glad it was uh, such a good week for the Cubs. Good to see. It, it, like I said, it's nice that uh, you have all three of us back together and all three teams had a great week. This is it, it makes a much more fun episode and we can rant about things that don't matter as much versus uh, why is my team doing this? <laughs> um, Joe, do you want to pick up David Freeze here? Sure. Um, David Fries, uh hero from the Cardinals 2011 postseason run uh, where they won the World Series that year. Um, he gave a ton of thought to decline an invitation to join the team's Hall of Fame, uh, stating something I have given an extreme amount of thought to. Um, you know, he says, I'm aware of the impact I had helping the team bring great memories to the city. Um, he's a, a St. Louis native, so he, that was especially important to him. Uh, their 11th championship as a franchise. Um, you know, he says, you know, look, I hope people will understand how I feel about it. And, and you know, he, he was the World Series and NLCS MVP, driving in 21 runs during that postseason, which is a major league record. Um, in the World Series, 348, seven RBIs, two, three doubles, and the epic game six homer that kept the Cardinals alive in the series against the Rangers. Um you know, felt he was not deserving of the honor of being elected to the team's Hall of Fame. So, um, I mean, had a great postseason. Maybe he thought he should have had a better overall career. I don't know. But, um, you know, teach their own. Let, let these guys make their own decisions. Yeah, and he wasn't a terrible hitter. I mean, a career 277 guy in the regular season, but he was a 299 guy in the postseason. I, you know, I. It's the team hall of fame. Like if if for some reason a committee at Cooperstown said David Freeze, you're going to Cooperstown. Yeah, I'd be like, what are you guys smoking? I should not be in Cooperstown. But I, I, I you know, I understand it was a fan vote, and maybe he was hoping for something more from the team end of things. But it's a little, a little odd to say the least, because it's not usually the Cardinals the organization that they are, you don't usually see people decline invitations from something from their franchise. So that's, they have a very rich history. Yeah. And him being a St. Louis native, I actually find it more strange that he would decline the invitation than less strange that he, like if he was, if he was from Milwaukee, I'd maybe understand that, but being from St. Louis, I, it just struck me as odd. Yeah. You would think that that would have been kind of like a dream of his or something like that. Who knows? All right, uh, Jason, how about them Phillies? 
Oh, great week for the Phils. Uh, great couple weeks for the Phils. Um, they started the week with four against the Diamondbacks. Uh, they won that series three games to one. They lost game one, nine to eight. Um, the big thing in this one was uh, JT Real Muto uh, hit for the cycle. Um, I believe he's the, I forget which number catcher he was. It's like only in the teens or something like that, like 17th catcher uh, all time to get a cycle. Um, he had the, a home run in the second, triple in the third. So he got the two big ones out of the way early. Uh, single in the fifth, and then capped it off with a double in the ninth. Um, breaking a streak of, and almost, I think Philly fans were thinking of it as almost like a curse. David Bell, of all players, was the last one to have a cycle for the Phillies back in 2004. Um, so first Philly since David Bell 2004 to hit for the cycle. Um, David Bell was not known to be fleet of foot. So, um, yeah. Uh, game two, uh, they won 15 to three. Game three, the Phils won four to three in 10 innings. Game four, a five to four win. Um, really, really great series win on the road uh, against a very solid Diamondbacks team. Um, and then they went, speaking of the Oakland Athletics, the Phillies went there for the weekend series. Um, there are three teams that the Phillies have never won a series in their ballpark. And it is the Texas Rangers, which they still have not done because they got swept to open the season. Um, the uh, Angels and the Athletics. Well, the Athletics are no longer on that list because the Phillies swept this uh, series three games to none. Um which, again, it's what they needed to do. It's what they should have done. Um, so uh, some were pretty close, though. Actually, the last two were close. Uh, game one was a 6-1 to win. Schwarber hit a home run on the very first pitch of the game. And Tywin Walker went eight innings for the first time in a few years. Um, so that was really needed from him. Game two, the Phils won 3-2 to in 12 innings. Uh, game three... Uh, was a win uh, three to two as well, just in nine innings. So uh, the Phillies have won 13 of their last 16 games. Uh, so they are absolutely red hot right now. And they have now gotten back to being four games over 500 am- along that uh, run. So really, really good change uh, for the Phillies here. Um, JT is actually the third player this year to do it. Um Cedric Mullins and uh, Luis Arias also have. He is the seventeenth catcher. Yeah, yeah. So cool. I was right about seventeenth, um, and I actually saw uh, the Arias um, cycle. Unfortunately, didn't realize <laughs> it at the time because they didn't have their game. The the new video board still worked out as far as previous at bats and whatnot. So I didn't really realize that he was doing it until after the game. But we were there. Yeah. That, that's what happens when you need to overcompensate for something with a bigger thing. So um, one, one note here too, Jason, uh, Mickey Cochran is the only catcher in MLB history to go for the cycle twice. And then the previous catcher to hit the cycle was Benji Molina, July 16th, 2010. So it, it, it's been a while. Catchers were due. <laughs> so I'll say that- of any catcher to of any catcher in the league, he would be the one to do it because he has the speed. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, yeah, congratulations to you guys. Uh, it, hell of a week. Again, it just sucks standings-wise. You couldn't go anywhere with it because Atlanta had just as hot of a week. I mean – And the Marlins are still hot. Like, Yeah. 
it, it's hard to catch them right now, which is ridiculous. Um, you, you know, it's crazy. The Braves and the Phillies are two of the hottest teams in the league in the month of June right now, um, separated by just a single game. Atlanta's lost three games. Philadelphia's lost four, which means this upcoming series is going to be a good one. I'm excited. I'm I don't know. Nervous. Well, it, it's in it's in Philly, which is helpful. Well, except Matt Olson's going to hit at least two home runs, <laughs> as he yeah. often does. Um, maybe I should get a ticket to one of these games. No. <laughs> um, what you know? One other thing. We'll and we'll hit this a little more when we get into it. When we get into the upcoming, um, you you have one thing going for you, and that is that uh, Max Freed. And Kyle Wright are not available still, so you still have to face Spencer Strider. But that, as, last time he pitched in Philly, it didn't go too well. Yeah, it was the postseason, not the regular season. Last regular season game went very well. <laughs> All right, and then you know I alluded to this earlier. Uh, you know, a guy can strike out sixteen guys and somehow still lose the game. Joe, how about Lance Lynn? <laughs> Oh man, look, um, as, as you brought this up this today in the group chat, and I was like, it's a White Sox thing, you wouldn't understand. So, you, you know, Lance Lynn ties the franchise record for 16 strikeouts over seven plus innings. Uh, Bryce Miller has been outstanding for the Mariners this year, pitching, uh, came out ahead of it thanks to clutch hits from Julio and Kalenic. Um, Lynn becomes just a fifth pitcher since 1990 to take a loss in a game where the pitcher threw 16 strikeouts and allowed three runs or less. Uh, his final line for the game, seven innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, and the 16 strikeouts. The, the biggest issue with the White Sox is that they just, number one, they're not hitting. You have a ton of, of the other older guys who are like, I'm out. Like, trade me. I don't care. Get me out of here. Um T.A. is a shell of himself, man. He is had he had some others. He has some off the field stuff go on, but it's it's really made him um, go downhill a bit from a production and a defensive standpoint. He's just not himself. Um, you know, I if if a lot of those other off the field stuff doesn't happen, maybe maybe they're a better club. But Eloy can't stay healthy. Um, you know, Robert gets hurt every you know every four or five, six weeks or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's, it's a, a dysfunctional ball club, and it's a shame because they're so dang talented. Um, from a pitching standpoint and a hitting standpoint, there's there's no reason this should be this way. I mean, we've been saying this for, for three years now, but, yeah, it, it's, it's the picture of ineptitude that you've got a guy get 16 strikeouts and can't win the ball game. And you have a guy like Dylan Cease last year who – had the most strikeouts of any of any pitcher, I think, um, in the American League, and couldn't get the Cy Young because his team didn't win enough games for him. Yeah, that that's insane. You you shouldn't be able to strike sixteen guys out, allow three runs or less, and lose the game. That that's utter insanity to me. But it yeah, you're right. It's totally the White Sox. All right, so uh, let's roll on from the from that. Uh, Jason, what do you have for down on the farm? It's nice to bring that back. I know, so we're going down the farm. I wasn't thinking, otherwise I would have had my song up ready to go. Um, I'll have to remember that for next time. It's been a while. 
Um, so uh, the hitter this week is Luke Ritter from the Syracuse Mets, the AAA team for the New York Mets. Uh, he went 350, uh, batting average, hit four home runs, had seven RBI, so a really good week for him. And then the pitcher of the week is going to be Clayton Beater of the Somerset Patriots, the AA team for the New York Yankees. Uh, so we're in New York this week for the down on the farm section. Uh, he went 2-0, 10 and two-thirds innings pitch, seven hits, one earned run, three walks, and 13 strikeouts. Um, so really good week for uh, New York uh, minor leaguers. Um, I do have one other big note here uh, because it's it's down the farm, but kind of not much anymore. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates called up the 2021 number one overall pick uh, catcher, Henry Davis. He is the uh, third uh, ranked prospect in their organization. He was called up for the game today. Um, while he is a catcher, he's actually going to primarily be right fielder designated hitter. Um, he uh, is going to wear number 32. And this is how good this kid has been. Uh, he got called up to triple. He got promoted to triple A just like uh, two weeks ago. He played 10 games in triple A before getting the call up. Um, and uh, he actually got his first major league hit tonight in his first major league plate appearance at, in that bat. Um, he had a double uh, down the left field line in his first plate appearance. So uh, welcome to the show, Henry Davis, and congratulations. Um, I'm sure Pirates fans will be very excited to watch you grow until ownership decides to trade you away. <laughs> of course, what happened against the Cubs in Pittsburgh? <laughs> Sorry about that, Joe. All right. So, uh, Joe, what do you, Joe, you're muted. Joe, turn your mic back on. I mean, it is seven nothing. So whatever. <laughs> you got your first tick. Congratulations! It's, you're still down seven nothing. <laughs> that doesn't mean good things for me in fantasy. Because <laughs> no. Joe, because ba- Joe basically has the entire Cubs roster as his team. No, I really don't. I have three guys and one pitcher. And he's I not mean, pitching. I, so I, you know. I mean, <laughs> I just have the right ones. What can I say? You know, he's not wrong about that. <laughs> he was uh, very selective in how he picked his guys and uh, picked them very well. I mean, I mean it's, not, we... it's not like I picked Michael Talkman and finally got one right <laughs> this week. I thought you were going to pick Jason Hayward, even though he's no longer a cubby. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Not happening. I mean, I've got three Braves in my roster and a former Brave, so I'm. I, I can't say anything about Homer picks and fantasy. So <laughs> would have almost had four former Braves, but somebody uh, grabbed Dansby before I did because I wanted a second power hitting shortstop because I really wish the heck is Trey Turner sucks. Yeah, Ron, we know, we know you're guilty for uh, taking a ton of Phillies. We actually warned you about that, Ron, to try not to load too heavily up on one team, especially because, well, Philly has a good offense. It's not, they they don't have individual fantasy stuff. Harper is, but he was hurt at the start of the year. You know, they don't really have a lot of guys that do overall great fantasy because it it is different. You know, John Barrett is a star in Roto, but he's far from a superstar. All right, Joe, what do we have for bring out the good this week? Um, So, (laughs) 
Um, it's not very often you get a mulligan, and your name is Mulligan. Uh, but a couple of fans at the Red Sox game over the weekend, um, that they called it the young brother called a foul ball, and inadvertently or intentionally threw it back. <laughs> um, so of course that pissed off the older brother, which I can't say I blame him. Um, but um, the the Nesson reporter found out about it, was talking to him during the game, and and they were able to uh, to get some nice swag out of the deal, uh, some Kenley Jansen autograph stuff and and things like that. So um, good work by the the, the Nesson TV crew and the and the Red Sox to give these Mulligans uh, you know a nice a nice afternoon. That's all. Definitely. And, and it's very nice that Joey Votto is back. That's good for baseball. Yes, absolutely. And of course, Hunter Green's going on the IL. I'm sure everybody is going to be upset to not see 155 mile an hour fastballs being hurtled at them for a while. All right. So let's move on to the hot list. Uh, four hitters. Uh, two, two of the ones I picked, I'm going to defer because Joe's got them for uh, Moneyball. So my first hot hitter of the week is going to be Michael Harris of the Braves. 556, 536, 963 line. He had eight runs scored, three homers, nine RBIs, two stolen bases, 15 hits, a pair of doubles, no walks, and one strikeout. I've also got Ozzy of the Braves, 423, 484, 846, seven runs, three homers, 10 RBIs, a stolen base, 11 hits, two doubles, four walks, six strikeouts. And you can't you can't ignore the guy who hit for the freaking cycle, JT Real Muto, 409, 1.091, eight runs, three homers, seven RBIs, a stolen base, nine hits, two doubles, two triples, actually, five walks, six strikeouts. And honestly, I, the hot list guys, I had a hard time narrowing it down just to those because there were so many good options this week for hot list players. Uh, Jason, do you have anybody else you want to toss up on the hot list for the hitters? No, I mean, uh, yeah, there's just too many to name this week. Every, everybody was hitting pretty well across the board. Especially on my fantasy team. Joe, do you have any other hot hitters that you want to mention before you bring up Moneyball? Nope. All right, and Joe, who are your two Moneyball hitters of the week this week? Well, 1B is Rosario from Atlanta. Um Slash line of 500, 636, she's 1438, um, a, a OPS of 2074, which is just nuts. <laughs> it's video game numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nine runs, eight hits, five homers, 11 RBIs, six walks, and a strikeout. Um, so he's 1B. 1A is Shohei, because Shohei was just a monster this week. Um 421, 607, 1158, uh, 1765 OPS, seven runs, eight hits, two doubles, four homers, eight RBIs, four strikeouts, one stolen base, one time caught, and nine walks. Damn. Talking about seeing the ball, man. Yeah, I think those were uh, excellent choices, Joe. All right, uh, let's look at the pitchers this week. Uh, Speaking of Shohei, 
Um, actually, you know what? He had a good week. I'm not going to put Shohei on. We're going to go Bryce Miller, first of all, from the Mariners. He went 2-0, 13 innings, 12 strikeouts, 138 ERA, .62 whip, five hits, three walks, a home run allowed. We're going to go Wheeler of the Phillies. He went 2-0, 11 strikeouts in 12 innings, a .75 ERA, a 108 whip, one earned run, 10 hits, three walks. And I think my last guy for this week is going to be Logan Webb of the Giants. He went 2-0, strikeouts, 14 innings, a 321 ERA, 121 whip, five earned runs, 15 hits, two walks, two home runs allowed. Um, again, a lot of good guys you could have picked. You could have picked Lance Lynn, although he still had a 525 ERA for the week, so I had trouble picking that despite 16 strikeouts in the game, just personally. Um, Jason, uh, how about you? Any other pitchers you want to bring up? No, I I mainly had Wheeler there because he's uh, looking more like himself now. So, yeah, it's it, it's nice. I have him in at least one fantasy league. It's nice that he's finally pitching like himself again. Yeah, just one this week. Yeah, just one this year. Joe, how about you? Any other starters for the week? No, but it's just masterful to see that um, Miller from the Mariners had less strikeouts over for the week than Lancelot did in one game. <laughs> That's baseball, man. It was just that's nuts. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> I'll help it. I'll help wins K per nine, but not much else. All right, Joe. Who is your adulting reliever of the week? Uh, adulting reliever is Jordan Hicks uh, from the the Cardinals. Um, three for three in saves in the last week. Four appearances. Four and two thirds innings. Two hits. No runs. One hit batter. Seven strikeouts. Uh, 4.43 whip and a 133 batting average against had himself a heck of a week. Yeah, it's a good week. All right, here's my hot teams list. Obviously, all three of our teams are on their Braves, Phillies, Cubs. Well earned. I'm also going to throw the Marlins from the East. Um, I'm going to put the Reds on there as well. Uh, definitely not the Pirates. Good God. Um, the Giants are on a seven game winning streak right now, eight and two over their last 10. I'm also going to have San Diego on there to wrap out the National League and the American League. I've got the Orioles. Uh, now I can't put the Orioles on. Sorry, guys. Uh, good week until you ran into the uh, buzzsaw known as the Cubbies. Um, I'll put the Angels on, though. Um, they're 7-3 and three in the last 10 um, right now. Texas is a little down right now, so I'm not going to put them on this week. Uh, Tampa's only 5-5 five and five in their last 10, surprisingly, so I think I'm going to keep them off. So it's a pretty National League-heavy list, as, of course, the best league in baseball is uh, flexing its muscles right now. Anybody else? Do uh, you guys have anything else you want to throw on or take off? I, I want to make sure because it's very possible that I just missed them. Did you put the Reds on there? Yes. Okay. Just so I make sure I I didn't miss that because, uh, yeah. Because aside from that, the the Reds are on an eight game winning streak right now. Yes. Yeah, they are ridiculously hot right now, and with Joey Votto coming back, that can only mean good things for the Cincinnati Reds. Joe, you were so right. It's just a good thing for baseball when Joey Votto is back. He's just number one. He's just a class act, and number two, he's a great baseball player on top of it. So. I mean, and he's got one of the best eyes in baseball. Joey Votto didn't swing; it's not a strike. Exactly. All right. So, looking at upcoming this week, uh, Atlanta is going to go through the gauntlet as they are on the road all week for six. First three at Philadelphia: Strider versus Suarez tomorrow night, Smith Shaver versus Nola, and then Elder versus Taywan Walker on Thursday. 
And then for the weekend set, uh, Schuster versus Green. Uh, no, it won't be Green. Green's on the IL, so that's going to be TBD. I don't know who since he's throwing there. Morton versus Weaver, and then Strider versus Williamson. I'm always okay with uh, seeing Spencer Strider's name up there twice in a week, so hopefully that brings good things. Uh, for the Phillies in the second half of the week. It's also a rough one. It could be a rough one, but the Mets are not playing as well. Sanchez versus Sanga, Wheeler versus Carrasco, Suarez versus Scherzer, excuse me. Um, and and then, that one is in Philly. Yes, that's yeah, you're in Philly all week. And then the Cubbies, three at Pittsburgh. They're up 7 nothing behind Smiley versus Beto tonight. Tomorrow's Stroman versus Oviedo and Hendricks versus Hill. And then they are off for a couple days to do the two-game miniseries in London, Steele versus Wainwright, Tyone versus Liberatore. So, uh, Joe, it's a it's a very odd five-game week for the Cubs with all those extra travel days to get in and out of London, which I am glad they do because that's a that's a hell of a load of jet lag going that far <laughs> going that far east and west in a relatively short period of time. Um, so it's things are working. Things are starting off pretty well, though, with a seven nothing lead to start the week off. So, yeah, it's um, it's eight nothing now, and and Smiley continues to pitch really well. So yeah. I mean, look, where, where I, the hell was the Smiley when he was with Atlanta? Honest to God, and and Philly, <laughs> I forgot about that. Actually, <laughs> uh, we we tend to try to. <laughs> I, I mean, I I thought he would be good, but I mean, he's been above expectations i mean I, I'm, I'm more than pleased with that pitching for the cubs has been the strongest part of them the starting at least um you know last week the offense finally showed up um and tonight but all year the pitching's been great the bullpen's been terrible and the offense has been spotty so you know they can put it all together it's it's amazing what they could do yeah definitely uh, you know, look, the, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. I expect, you know, they, they kind of got right this weekend with, with I think, the Nationals. Um, and, you know, maybe Zach, maybe and the, the Mets and then the Nationals today. So maybe that continues for them. But, yeah, it'll be an interesting week. Should be. And then we've got the Braves and the Phillies. And I'm not expecting a sweep from either team. I think this is going to be definitely a two out of three. Um, you know, you, you have to like Philly's odds playing in Philadelphia. They they tend to be one of those teams that play far better at home than on the road almost every year. I, I'm sure that's probably holding true this year as well. Um, but I, I actually like the pitching matchups across the board in this one, Jason. Uh, you know, to get yeah. Strider and Elder for the Braves. Um, you guys have Nola going, it, you know, Ranger seems like he's finally starting to yes. be more Ranger esque and Taywan Walker's coming off his longest outing in a very long time. I can't remember the yeah. last time he went eight innings. Uh, I think it was like 2018 or 2019. Oof. So yeah. Yeah, there's the question. Is he still going to be tired from that many innings? You never know. Having, oh, he, having the off day though, uh, for the Braves to travel is kind of like that extra day at least. That's yeah, that's good. Um, and let's remember too, it's still the first half of the year. Taywan Walker tends to be very good in the first half of the year and not so good in the second. So we'll see if that trend flips flips in Philadelphia or if that's you know that's just the kind of guy he is where he's always going to be a you know one half one story, one half the other story. And some players are just like that. Um, you know, looking at the second half of the week for Atlanta, I mean, Jesus, they at Philly, at Cincinnati. 
host Minnesota, host Miami, before they finally get a break with three at Cleveland and then go down to Tampa to end the first half. I mean, it's Atlanta does not have an easy end of the first half at all, especially that three gamer in Tampa Bay to end the first half. So um, we're you know we're going to definitely see if the Braves can continue this hot streak they have been on, um, keep that going the rest of the way. For the Phillies, you know, New York, I, I, I don't want to say it should be a gimme series, but the way New York is playing right now, it should be a two out of three for Philadelphia this weekend. Maybe. It, it, it's a matter of the Phils finally getting over that hump of just not playing well against the Mets. Yeah. I mean, g- going back through last season, they just have not been able to beat the Mets. And then looking the rest of the way out, uh, Philly doesn't have an easy road to the end of the first half either. Three on the road with the Cubbies. Huh, that'll be fun next week. Um, then they've got a gimme series with Washington at home. And then they go on the road the rest of the way. Three at Tampa, three at Miami. I mean, that's... that's that is a stretch. I, wow. I, I think ours is tougher, but not by much. Um, Joe, because I didn't mention it for the Cubbies... Uh, you guys are ending three at home with Philadelphia, three at home with Cleveland, four on the road at Milwaukee, three on the road at the Yankees. Wow. So um, let, let's enjoy this week of all of our teams doing very well because it might. Yep. I, I don't think we're going to see that, come, especially with consecutive weeks of our teams facing each other. I don't think we're going to see a week like this again for a little bit, guys. So uh, let's enjoy the good times while they last because, damn, those are uh, nasty gauntlets to end the first half of the year with. So, <laughs> uh, guys, any other thoughts for coming up? Um. Let's go Bears, Hershey Bears, uh, game six of the Calder Cup finals in the American Hockey League tonight. Looking to bring home their 12th uh, Calder Cup, which they already have uh, the most cups in AHL history. They're also the oldest team in AHL history. But uh, get it done, Bears, on the road out in Coachella Valley, California. So let's go Bears, bring it home. Unlike in baseball, where you have old teams like the Braves and the Reds and the Cubs that do not have the most championships in their respective sports histories. <laughs> but yeah, I, I am uh, super excited for the Bears. That game kicks off in about four minutes. So uh, yeah, bring it home tonight, guys. Don't go to Game 7 in Coachella Valley. Please, let's bring it home tonight. <laughs> start, start by scoring some goals. They got shut out 9 nothing in the first two games. Yeah, But uh, roared back to take the three games at home. So yeah, let's go bears. Get it done. Yep. Let's get her done. All right, guys. Uh, you can find our, po- the podcast anywhere you find podcast anchor, Spotify breaker, Google podcast, Apple podcast, among others. Um, you can see us live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter merchandise is at redbubble.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dolly dogs and beer. Twitter's at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are there as well. I'm at Pyroward314. Jason's at JRicker300. Joe's at Jolton Joe35. We're presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC and sponsored by Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Wittitz. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night. Have a good week. And go Bears. <laughs>